Hi, welcome to the Business of Healthcare podcast, where I will be sharing interviews, insights, project management, leadership training, and lessons learned from the field of healthcare to improve the delivery of your projects and business performance. So in today's interview, I met with Austin Ambrose, who is the co-founder at the PMA, um, otherwise known as the Practice Manager Association. The Practice Managers Association has 25,000 members and employs just over 80 members of staff working all across the UK. And in our interview today, we talked about communication and Austin shared some of the tools and resources and systems they use to communicate with so many people working in so many um, locations, which was really, really interesting. Austin also shared how general practices are becoming more financially astute and kind of learning lessons and principles from kind of traditional private sector organisations. Austin also shared with us what he was up to just yesterday and just to give a flavour of his role. um, He's very much client facing. He's great with people oodles of energy and when I first met Austin I met him in a roundtable discussion at the RCGP around the future of the workforce in primary care you know you know when Austin's in a room he's got such a warm personality he's so talkative so helpful so welcoming so um, hopefully that comes across in this interview but if you've ever met him in real life you'll know exactly what I'm talking about And when I asked Austin what big projects they're working on, he shared how they are growing their educational portfolio, getting into e-learning. They are on the National Framework for Apprenticeships and shared some challenges around the bureaucracy of getting those standards in place and the administrative processes, which I think is really helpful and I really appreciate his honesty. So I really hope that you enjoy this interview. It is jam-packed with tips and lessons learned and the PMA's approach on how to run a business and I think their relationship management their marketing is incredible and it's very consistent they offer a lot to their members and hopefully you'll find it really interesting. So hi Austin thank you so much for joining me on the Business of Healthcare podcast and thanks for we did originally do an interview and I lost the audio so thank you so much for coming back. Pleasure, Tara. Good to talk to you again. Okay, so can you tell people what is the Practice Managers Association and what is your role within that organisation? Yes, certainly. So the PMA is essentially a membership association for primary care people, uh, clinical and non-clinical. So we currently have somewhere in excess of 25,000 members and new members joining every day. Um, We originally um, developed a programme of workshops for the Royal College of GPs about six years ago I think it was now which were aimed at taking GP partners obviously are clinicians by trade and giving them more understanding of the commercial uh, aspects of um, when they sign a partnership agreement obviously they become a business person by definition so we we developed a series of workshops around things like HR and staff performance counting and taxation uh, partnerships and federations really to give them some more um, as I say more commercial understanding really and they were well received we ran those in London and Birmingham over the course of just I think just short of a year um, and when they were well attended and very well received very positive feedback 
Uh, and we still work with the RCGP on a number of initiatives, but we then started to develop the workshop program beyond that to the point where I think we've got a circus of 70 workshops currently in the portfolio. Um, and all of those have been developed proactively really with the, uh, the audience that we're there to serve. So we don't sort of speculate on what people might want. Um, we effectively engage with the federations, with the training hubs, um, with the CCGs, the LMCs, and work with them to develop stuff which is relevant to them and, to, and satisfies their their requirements and their needs in what eff effectively is a constant state of flux, which is yeah. in healthcare generally. You know, as soon as one initiative is deployed, another one is following closely on its heels. So. Yeah. So, why did you choose uh, primary care and practice managers? Um, I would like to say it was um, it was a, a choice and a decision. I think it was just a question of uh, what happened. Uh, my background is actually IT, sort of 20 years plus in IT. I've built and run three um, IT companies. And um, I got involved with uh, essentially event management um, was what we were doing when we were approached by the RCGP. We were de delivering conferences, uh, award ceremonies, um, exhibitions, uh, sort of major events, uh, both on behalf of clients clients, some of them from uh, my IT background uh, and others that we created where we saw uh, a space that somebody wasn't already uh, involved in. So we did, we created a, an awards program around social housing, uh, which nobody was doing that at the time that ran for about three or four years. Um, and then, as I say, we were approached by the RCGP to create these, these workshops. Um, uh, and Ian Jones is our operations director and myself sort of looked at each other and scratched our heads and went, this is a fantastic environment to work in there. <laughs> what great people to work with. Yeah. So we, we, we started to uh, look around and to ask questions and to develop um, proactively uh, other workshops. And it's all really grown from there. Um, the membership of the PMA is free, so we don't charge for membership. So anybody's at liberty to go on our website, fill in a simple registration form that creates a record in our CRM system and sends them back an acknowledgement email that they now become a member of the PMA and then they get our monthly newsletters and bulletins and invited to various events and happenings that we're involved in. So you are, you're a co-founder and what is your, your what's your title? Oh gosh, I wear those dozens of different hats. So I mean, my my formal title is client services director, um, but I'm, I'm strategically involved in developing the business, taking it forward. Uh, my my passion really is is client facing, is working with with clients. I mean, I love going out and and sitting down with you know the LMCs and CCGs and the STPs and and engaging with them and uh, you know discussing their needs and and we're working to deliver against those those needs and against their strategies and visions. So you mentioned you've got about 25,000 members. How do you go from zero to 25,000 members? What have you done? Uh, well, we start. We, we started to engage with the uh, the audience, as I say, initially via the RCGP. So we we had built a relationship um, and a dialogue, I suppose, with a, a good number of individuals that had attended the events, and we maintained contact with them, uh, and then just started to sort of broaden out the reach, really, to include the non non clinical, um, and then. Uh, practice managers, business managers, admin managers, um, in fact, anybody, you know, that's working in a non-clinical role, which uh, which we all know until very recent years was completely overlooked because primary care is an anomaly. Whilst it's funded through NHS contracts, PMS and GMS contracts, the, the non-clinical staff are employed privately by the private business, which is the partnership, the GP partnership. So they're not part of the NHS 
machine, so to speak. They've never had any investment until recent years. I mean, only with the uh, General Practice Forward Review five-year plan was there funding earmarked for non-clinical staff um, investment and development, workforce development beyond the clinicians. Um, so it was um, it was really an opportune time, really, to get involved in that that whole sort of wave and that uh, refocusing uh, that you know you can't have a, a successful. Um, GP practice in primary care if you don't have uh, proficient back office staff and and practice management and um, you know all of those other things hence you know the investment that's gone over the last few years in things like uh, frontline services around active signposting and care navigation really deploying those people that are touching the patient at the first instance and giving them more training and, and more autonomy really to be able to engage and free up clinicians time. So how big is your team? Uh, we are, gosh, um, moving feast. I think there's about eighty people currently involved wow. in the firm. Eh? Yeah, there's, we've got uh, we've got offices in Wilmslow with uh, about half a dozen uh, people in their sort of back office team, and they're they're sort of multi multi skilled and multifaceted. Uh, multifunctional so they support all of the PMA programs they do a lot of um, client engagement um, around our education program our workshops our e-learning um, and various other activities um, and then we've got people all over the country we've got tutor assessors that are delivering against our apprenticeship program up to level seven uh, post-grad um, and they're all, they're all home-based and they go out and work um, work-based learning with the, um, the learners at practices across the country uh, and our facilitators are all experts in field uh, the majority of which come from a, an NHS background some of them are still working practice managers or business managers uh, again they're, they're flung far and wide we've got them in you know, London and the southeast down in, into Cornwall and Devon uh, up into Tyneside and the northeast, uh, across the northwest, across um, you know the M62 corridor through Leeds and York, um, and people work on a sort of flexible basis, home based. People come into the office pretty rarely, really. I mean, I, I will tend to work from home if I'm not out seeing clients. So I go in the office maybe once or twice a week for a couple of hours here and there, but I actually find myself more productive working from home. So how do you all communicate? If you've got people working from home, multiple locations, people working flexibly, how do you make sure all your teams are on the same page? How do you communicate? Okay, we have uh, we've got a number of, of uh, pla- our, main, our main platform is based on Office three six five, so we're uh, very big users of SharePoint of of, of Outlook. Uh, we use Go Meetings extensively. I mean, we're using Zoom today, but Zoom, Go WebEx are all essentially the same thing, uh, where you can have, uh, have people hooked into meetings remotely. Um, and then we have an internal uh, bulletin. Whilst we publish a lot of customer-facing collateral via our newsletters and our bulletins, we also have an internal bulletin. Uh, which is much more about the people within the PMA, um, you know, carries biogs and stuff like that. SharePoint has got a full directory on it. So in, anyone that's working with the PMA can click onto their SharePoint and can see a full directory of everybody, their their name, their, uh, their email, their, their mobile, their, their biog and stuff like that. Um, and, 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 we obviously, when we're delivering as well, when we're delivering workshops and conferences, then you know we're, we're together at those events. So some of the people will be you know meeting together. So um, any month, I mean, we're typically delivering sort of twenty to thirty workshops around the country with the facilitators and and PMA people going out uh, and being involved in those as well. So quite a lot of face to face as well. Do you have any difficulties with uh, communication? Because I work with practices and they, you know they struggle to communicate you know just in one 
in one office. Yeah, yeah, um, it, yeah. It, it is a challenge, um, but we we tr we try to stay on top of it. Like I say, the internal bulletin. Um, we have a lot of communications. You know, we've got groups that are up in Outlook and Exchange where we can group, we can mass email either everybody in the organisation or a select um, group around, say, our education program or facilitation or back office. Um, so there's a lot of a uh, lot of email traffic, a lot of CCing goes on. Um, a lot of phone calls and a lot of online meetings, as I said, some some face to face. So every week we have um, a sort of client services meeting with the uh, sort of business development and client services team. So we meet for a couple of hours every Tuesday, Monday morning, actually Tuesday next week because of the bank holiday. Um, similarly, our education leads, sort of four or five of them, they meet on a weekly basis and look at the, um, the education program. The education team, including all of the tutor assessors, they have a monthly standardisation meeting. Um, so, but to the best of my knowledge, we're the only um, education and skills funding agency main provider with a, a highly contextualised delivery model specifically for primary care. So all of our apprenticeship standards are, we're not generalists, they are very much nuanced into the primary care arena. Um, so that's obviously key that the communication between the education team is paramount to make sure everyone's delivering the same against the same program. Um, we also create, we've got a series of a growing library of what we call primary care insights. So we've got um, an advisory panel that are associated with the PMA that you'll see on the website, which are a mixture of PMs, um, GPs um, and others. Um, and some of them get involved in the creation of what we call primary care insights, which is a typically a sort of 15, 20 minute presentation that takes place every three months at one of the education team meetings where they will present and have a Q&A around a specific such as maybe QOF or CQC or you know, care navigation or something which if you weren't working in primary care you wouldn't have any knowledge of necessarily but they open that up for you know, a presentation and a discussion so all of our educationalists are all pretty well versed in, in primary care and obviously they're working at practice level as well so they're getting input from the, the people that they're actually um, training and developing. Hey, from you call your kind of clients members what does it mean to be a member of the PMA? I don't think there is a, a, a sort of a, a, a very strong definition. It's it's really any as we say we're we're an open membership for anybody that's working in primary care. Um, I mean one of the things that we recognised very early on when we started to deliver uh, workshops to non-clinical staff, we delivered a series for. Uh, Greenwich CCG uh, second half of um, 2017 12 12 workshops two six six workshops but run twice so all of their 36 practices uh, were in attendance and a good number of them went on to do uh, apprenticeships after that but what one of the things we noticed was that a lot of non-clinical staff unlike clinical staff who are doing CPD and they're going to conferences and and uh, you know they've got they've got to maintain their their skills and their currency of knowledge um, non-clinical staff rarely see the light of day so the opportunity for them to get together and to be able to network and to share experience I mean uh, Ian our ops director whenever he's um, uh, opening up a workshop he, always, he typically always says you know we've got expert facilitators delivering the content today there'll be a lot of interaction and group work but let's not overlook the fact that in this room is a vast amount of knowledge and experience and everyone has come to if you're doing a say a workshop around HR and staff performance every practice manager you talk to has got staff issues <laughs> likewise in that room some somebody in that room will almost certainly have contended with the issues that they, you've come with and will have resolved them will have faced that challenge and overcome it so we try and engage the audience and make sure that they network and they share. Um, so we're very um, 
we're very sort of uh, proactive in encouraging uh, interaction between our membership and we've um, that's um, sort of borne out by the, the, the conferences that we run we, we, we run sort of locality based conferences with a growing number of LMCs and uh, uh, training hubs where we're typically um, maybe delivering across an STP footprint so perhaps a couple of hundred practices so you might have 100 to 150 PMs of that at that day and again that's a fantastic opportunity for them to to meet each other to share information and to network uh, which is of huge value really have you in the growing of this business have you ever had any periods where you thought we're gonna have to turn off the lights like we're really struggling Oh god, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Many, many times, I mean, I, as as many a time, I've woken up at three in the morning and you know, sort of sat bolt upright and got up with my head spinning full of nonsense and thinking, "How are we going to resolve these challenges, or how do we overcome that?" That's a, a regular occurrence, yeah. And what sort of challenges um, can you share that you experience from a yeah from the business side? Certainly the education program has been a, a huge challenge. I mean, I, I come from a commercial background and I've never seen such bureaucracy around it. I mean, you're aware of things like the levy and the um, non-levy uh, funding for apprenticeships yeah. and the, the bureaucracy that surrounds actually processing uh, a, an applicant that wants to go into an apprenticeship program and actually gathering the evidence that you have to record for the education skills funding agency and validating that their all their information you've got somebody that's been married and remarried a couple of times and you've got to be able to prove all the history um you've got to have prior learning you've got to do a, a full sort of um um analysis with that person of anything which they've done before so that you're not delivering over and above over and above what that they need to actually achieve the the growth and the stimulus to achieve that qualification um and uh, and just the whole the whole funding model around it. I mean, the Education Skills Funding Agency is, is a, a, a faceless organisation. They they dictate that virtually all of your interaction with them is done electronically, digitally via their portal, um, via email. It's very difficult to establish any form of dialogue with an individual. Uh, it can be done, but it's 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 hard work. Um, and uh, and I, I particularly found that very very challenging uh, because I'm used to dealing with people. It's the way I've always you know, been. Um, outside of that, I suppose um, uh, keeping abreast, obviously, of, of as we said earlier, just the constant state of flux. You know, we've got primary care networks being thrust upon the uh, the community now across the country. Um, you know, with the appointment of clinical directors, of social prescribers, link workers, um, practice managers, and business managers having to take on much greater responsibilities and challenges, which are now locality based rather than practice based. Um, so all of those things are present an ongoing challenge, really. Maintaining currency of information. One, one, one little thing you might like, actually, if you haven't not got it already, if you go onto the App Store on your iPhone, yeah, one of our comms people um, sent it across a couple of days ago, there's a thing called NHS a a Acronym Buster. Oh, excellent. Well, it's got a full uh, directory of all of the acronyms used in the NHS and what they actually mean. It's fantastic. Downloads in a couple of minutes. is well worth getting. <laughs> Yeah, because half the time. But you know, when you ask people, what is what does that mean? And they're like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not just about busting the acronym, is it? You know, it's like STP, Sustainable Transformation Partnership. What does that actually mean? <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. And can I ask, can you share, what were you just doing yesterday to give us a flavour of what you what you guys do? Uh, yesterday, I was um, primarily making outbound calls and emails to existing and new clients um, where we're developing programmes or we're midway through delivering programmes or we're talking about developing programmes. Uh, we have one locality where we've just delivered a new, uh, sorry, not delivered, we've just um, developed a new workshop specifically around their needs in, in medicines management and social prescribing. Um, and uh, that workshop's just, just being finalised now. So I was discussing that with the client and with our, our team uh, in terms of the, uh, the actual content around that. Um, what else did I do yesterday? I'm just trying to remember actually. My short-term memory shot. <laughs> yeah, it was mainly client faces stuff. And then, and then obviously reactively dealing with all the stuff that comes in as you do on a daily basis, you know, the bombardment of, of emails and calls that you weren't expecting that take a 15, 20 minutes here and there and suddenly, you know, half your day's been consumed and stuff that you never anticipated when you started. So you've got a private sector background. What lessons can be learned by practices from the private sector, if any? Oh, gosh. Um, I think what's happening now is that the practices are becoming more commercially astute and more commercially aware. Um that you can't just sort of uh, sit back and expect that things will just happen. You've actually got to make them happen. You've got to have a, a vision, a strategy, and you've got to have a plan. Um, you've got to have financial projections. You've got to manage your know, cash flow um, and and income streams. I mean, again, now you know, going back to the PCNs, uh, the income stream for a practice now is multifaceted. It's not simply your GMS or your PMS contract. You know, you've got top up funding available. You've got fun, initial funding available for Quaff if you if you hit your your targets. You've got um, money coming in via PCNs, which may come into one practice in a group, or it may go in through you know a different uh, stream. And then you've got to uh, share resources across that PCN. So you might have somebody who's employed by one practice, but they are contracted out to provide your know, half day. Day a week to half a dozen practices within that PCN so you've got to structure that you've got to have the obviously the, uh, the contracts and the agreements in place that everyone buys into that actually work in practice that you know your cross charging is set up to cover that person's costs um, so I think that all, all those sort of um, uh, challenges now facing practices um, having to become more you know much more commercially astute I suppose than they they, never, they had to 10-15 years ago and things it was much uh, it's always been a very very demanding environment but it's uh, it was a much more simple model i think a decade ago than it is now it's an increasingly complex model uh, and the and the, the challenges and demands dictate that your your practice manager your business manager i think i said this when we spoke before i, I see them now more like an operations director really they have to they're wearing so many hats they're carrying so much responsibility i mean in in a larger in a super practice or a federation or even a pcn i suppose they, you do have the opportunity there to uh, split the role down so you could have a finance specialist an HR specialist you know, a, an assets and property portfolio specialist uh, where you've got a bigger group um, but the the practice manager really in, in, a, in most um, situations is, is carrying all those responsibilities and more and to a large extent really is running the business on behalf of the partners you do have some partners who are very proactive but I would say they are uh, that's a, in a minority of situations the vast majority of, of general practice it's the PMs that are running those those practices at a commercial level and do those practice managers know that that is that's their role and do they come to you for support with all that you've just said 
Uh, yes, I mean we do. We do take a good number of, of uh, emails and calls um, about things which are challenging uh, a practice manager that they need help or support with, uh, and we obviously have a strong network of, of professionals that work. We work with you know the lawyers, the accountants, um, some you know, many of which you will know because they're primary care specialists, the HR specialists. So we can signpost somebody to some a specialist that can help and can support them, uh, and a lot of a lot of the well pretty much. All, all of our workshop content is is around those things as well um you know making sure that people don't fall foul of the law when it comes to to hr um and uh, and accounting and taxation um and know how to uh, read a profit and loss account and to create a forecast and can manage that etc etc so yeah all, all of those all those things and more we do get approached with and in, in a lot of cases we're able just to signpost them to the, an appropriate source that can support them and help them. What big projects um, are you working on? I know that you've recently been accredited for your kind of apprenticeship schemes is there anything other anything else kind of in the pipeline? Uh, yes we have, we've done a lot of development around e-learning over the last uh, 12 months uh, we've got a major e-learning platform uh, which is going live with uh, Health Education England um, and uh, NHS England on the 1st of October uh, you'll see that coming out in comms and that's around core competencies for non-clinical staff so it's a, it's a level two e-learning program um, which has got eight um, modules with 26 units within those modules uh, each, is, each of them has a skill scan and a test at the end and when somebody completes the program which is not it, it, it sounds quite grandiose it's actually only about 70 70 online e-learning hours uh, but that culminates once they pass the skill scan on those they will get an, an ilm it's called excellence in supporting healthcare certificate and we've been working with a clinical lead uh, from nhse to develop the content around that uh, it's got a lot of animation in it and um, you know sounds and, and quizzes and things like that and the idea being is that that will act as a benchmark for non-clinical staff not just in primary care but across the healthcare spectrum generally um, so that once somebody's achieved that an employer looking at somebody's CV if they're moving perhaps from secondary care or mental or acute into primary care and somebody sees that they've got that on their CV they can be assured that they've actually got a level of knowledge and competence as a baseline uh, and then we're about to start working on the level three um, platform for the, uh, moving up from that and then subsequently a level four. Um, we've developed um, e-learning around the uh, national uh, uh, national data opt-out program for NHS Digital or NHSX as it's becoming now. Yeah. Um, uh, we are just about, uh, we just started developing um, uh, an e-learning uh, program for to support the NHS app. Um, so that practices can actually see what the NHS app does and you know, there's an e-learning thing in there which has got a quiz and a, a little test at the end of it that's relatively straightforward. It's, uh, so do these opportunities, do people come to you with these opportunities with a very clear brief or do you hear, does it, do they kind of organically emerge? Uh, it's a mixture. Uh, we are, I mean, obviously the PMA is a, is a very strong uh, brand. We're, we're, we're well known across primary care and across healthcare generally. So yes, we do get approached. We get approached a lot for to use our comms because, um, as we were saying earlier, because non-clinical staff aren't necessarily on the NHS radar. So we, we push out a lot of comms on behalf of NHS England, Health Education England, Skills for Health, NHS Digital, uh, via our monthly newsletter that goes out on the last Thursday of each month uh, but in terms of commercial opportunities it's a mixture um, I mean we do a 
we do a lot of client-facing activity. So uh, I mean, uh, it's a bit quieter this month because it's a holiday month. But most weeks, I'm perhaps in London once, twice, or even three times. Um, you know, meeting with clients, and we have, uh, we have um, a bulletin which goes out to every primary care lead, every CCG, every STP, every LMC CEO, or every training hub, every GP federation. So we push a lot of collateral out in that. Um, and uh, and that draws in a lot of attention as well and a lot of um, engagement client engagement um, and we and we kind of um we are very sort of fleet of foot i suppose because we're very responsive you know we're we're very open to new approaches new ideas um uh you know and we, and we can respond very quickly because we're you know we're not a vast organization you know with a dozen different management layers that require approval at every every box to be ticked we can um, respond very quickly you know we can engage with the client we can scope something fairly quickly um and we can turn it around to turn it from a you know, conversation into a reality you know in, in a relatively short time scale in most cases what would you say is the key to your your personal success? How have you taken this business from nothing and just grown it? You've got over 80 employees. You've got 25,000 members. I see you guys everywhere. You've got really strong relationships. How, yeah, I'm really intrigued. Fear of failure. <laughs> I grew up in abject poverty in South East London. I don't ever want to go back into that mire. <laughs> But um, as I said to you before, I, I am an incurable optimist. I, gen- I, I genuinely wake up every day, you know, brimming with enthusiasm. It may sound sort of romantically naive, it's just the way I live my life. And I believe today's going to be better than yesterday, and tomorrow's going to be better again. It's the way I live my life, and that's what motivates me. And I love, I love what I do. I love, love the audience that we work with. You know, I know it's a cliche, but we do feel we're making a difference. We do feel that we're doing something which has actually got some intrinsic value attached to it. Um, and it's not, you know, we're not, we're certainly not wealthy. We're not doing this um, for um, for money as such. Obviously, we're a commercial organisation, but we're not driven by greed. We, you know, we are driven by a sense of excellence and and working with a community where we think we can we can satisfy uh, certain needs. Um, we can work collaboratively across uh, a whole range of initiatives and with. Uh, other commercial partners with NHS partners and we're very very fluid and flexible in that respect that is a perfect way to end the podcast thank you so much I really 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 appreciate it if people want to know more about the PMA where will they where should they go uh, first point of call is our website everything's pretty much on our website or or just give us a call or drop us an email and uh, we'll do our best to engage thank you so much So that was our interview with Austin Ambrose. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you want more information on the PMA, please visit www.practicemanagersuk.org. Okay, and you'll find all the information there and you can sign up to their newsletter. This is a new podcast. We're just getting started. We've already had some fantastic interviews. We've got some fantastic interviews coming up and I'd really appreciate it if you shared it. And when you see us online, kind of just give give us a thumbs up and let us know um, what you like and what you would like to hear moving forward. And I will see you in the next episode. Thank you.